Come join the conversation, the show that you've been wanting. Keep it real with no filter. Weekly we share discussions. WWSD interviewing creative guests, talking the creative process and sharing all the influences from TV and film. Emmy nominated and winning. Yeah, they coming through. Actors and comedians too. Directors and writers, we're more than a few. Masters of their craft. Yes, tune in. You gotta see this the podcast that you need. WWSD. Welcome to the WWSD Podcast. Weekly, we share discussions with interesting and creative people. I'm your host, Josh, and as always, I'm joined by my best friend and co-host, Seamus. How's it going, Seamus? It's going great, man. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Good. Uh, who do we have on tonight? Uh, tonight, we got a very, very special guest. We are joined by indie stand-up comedian, Dwight Simmons. Dwight, it's a pleasure having you on the podcast. We're super excited to talk to you tonight. How's it? How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, man. Thank you guys for having me. This is uh, this is great. I appreciate uh, you guys tracking me down. Uh, we appreciate you responding. So <laughs> yeah, well, I'm just gonna tell you, uh, I, I'm in Indiana, and you guys pulled me out of a very lucrative game of euchre with my parents. What is euchre? What's euchre? Yeah, you don't uh, know what euchre is? No, I've I've heard of it. I don't I've no I don't know. Anything is it a card about. card game? It's a card game. Okay. Yeah, at the end somebody gets stabbed. It's very Midwest. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> you guys don't know what euchre is? No. no, we really don't. We're from Florida. Have you ever so. been to like Michigan, Wisconsin, uh, no. Minnesota, no, Indiana, no. Ohio? No one's just handed you like. A thirty-two ounce Miller High Life, and been like, let's play some euchre. No, <laughs> I'm actually, I'm actually upset now. Like, fuck, who do I write? <laughs> I know, man. Like, come, come to the Midwest. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll give you some Miller High Lives, and we will help you play some euchre. Yeah, you know, it's a fun card game. That's all it is. I married into a degenerative family. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, we're betting on hands of euchre. So, uh, <clears throat> I was like, yo, I got to do this podcast. I can't lose three more dollars. Then I, are you, you big timing me? <laughs> yeah, I'm big timing you. I'm trying to keep my three dollars <laughs> and my Miller High Life. <laughs> oh man, that's awesome. So you're in Indiana. Um, how, how'd you get started in comedy? I started in comedy when I was in college, when I was in school, which feels so long ago. I started in Bloomington, Indiana, where the now famous Comedy Attic exists. When I started, it was the Funny Bone. It opened as a chain, and I went to an open mic night and kind of just fell in love with the concept of what stand-up comedy was. I was like, oh, man, people are just going up and telling jokes, you know? I went up, and I did five minutes, and I did very poorly. Did you prepare material or just tell stories? So in school, I was very studious. So I prepared. Okay. Like, I'm like, yo, this is like a math equation. So <laughs> I'm going to, uh, plus, I love stand up growing up, man. I watched every, like, I watched Premium Blend. I went to the library. I bought Carlin tapes and I went mm-hmm. to Blockbuster and I rented prior, like, yeah, I'm aging myself already. <laughs> Kings of Comedy was out, Eddie Murphy. So I just had like this whole VHS tape. And when I first went on stage at the Comedy Attic or the Funny Bone, I did my impression of Eddie Murphy. <laughs> Does that make sense? Did you have your red leather and all that? <laughs> I, it wasn't leather, but it was tight. It was like too tight. And uh, I just told a joke about Obama. That's the same joke that Eddie Murphy told. Like, I just stole Eddie Murphy's material. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, nobody will know <laughs> this is Eddie Murphy. <laughs> 
obviously, I'm the only person that's seen this stand-up special. <laughs> so I just stole Eddie Murphy's material and did it terribly. You know how bad you got to be to, like, bomb with Eddie Murphy? <laughs> yeah, so it was bad. So I started uh, IU and then um, didn't really didn't really like put my head down and get into it until after college. But I, I would say those are the, that's definitely the grassroots of plant the seed. And I think I like this. How much time passed by before you went up again? Uh, Probably, probably six months, to be honest, probably six months before that until I started hanging out at the club because it changed from the funny bone. So the funny bone uh, is a little inside baseball for comedy, but like the funny bones book, shows for those clubs and when the comedy club in Bloomington became independent became the comedy attic it was able to book its own headliners features people like maria bamford and jeff tate and Tignataro and like amy schumer went to the club and uh all these people that were on the precipice of blowing up i got to go see in this little 120 seat club which was really cool and I was like, I didn't realize it at the time. But I was like, man, I'm watching like really, really good comedy for 10 bucks or my student ID. You know, after I became a regular, they just let comics in for free to watch shows. So I started going to the club more to watch. It kind of opened my mind to what comedy could be. Because before I was just watching, you guys know uh, the show Comic View on BET? Yeah. You familiar with that old yeah. school show? It's like that show was... Anybody that had three minutes of stand-up comedy. <laughs> yeah, there were a lot, there were a lot of bombs on there. <laughs> you had to be black or you had to be like a dude, a white dude with like a black accent. And you got like a national TV credit. Gary Owen. Gary, yeah, yeah, man. That's uh that's what I thought comedy was. Started hanging out of this club. I was like, oh shit, you can just do anything. So it just kind of opened my mind to that and I got more into it after hanging out. I was probably a senior by the time I started doing it more regularly. What were you going for college for? Kinesiology. Oh, nice. Are you going to be a chiropractor? <laughs> <laughs> Why did you say chiropractor, bro? <laughs> I don't know. Not a chiropractor. I was, I was raised by hippies. That's uh, like every chiropractor I've been to. That's like kinesiology. I like that. I was like shitty, but I also <laughs> like don't use my degree and don't know what it's for either. <laughs> oh man, I wasn't a chiropractor. I was a personal trainer. So uh, maybe. I thought sports therapist, but okay. <laughs> sports therapy. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I'm, I'm remembering now that what like uh woo woo chiropractors use, it's called applied kinesiology and it's uh it's something. Different. Yeah. Literally the study of human movement, yeah. which means nothing to no one. Like it doesn't mean anything. My degree made sure that I had to go to school for more stuff. We, we don't use our degrees either. I have a uh, criminal justice and he's got math and physics. So I, I use my degree every day, but Do you? <laughs> you're a fucking coder. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I don't use logic at all. It's yeah. Anyway. You said you were going to the comedy club and you were just watching. At what point did you realize you're using that as like study material or like like using it to learn? Like, did you eventually just catch on or did you go there with the intention of like learning? So I think once I got my first paid spot and I'm thinking about this, like once I got my first paid spot, which flipped, there's a clear difference between the host, the feature and the headliner. Okay. so. The headliner is the person that sells the tickets. That's the person you know. The feature is a very funny comic. Middle does like 25 to 30 minutes. And the host is where I was trying to get to. 
So the study part was like, let me study every aspect of a comedy show, not just study the host, the feature, or the goal that I, I'm trying to get to. Let me study every aspect of a comedy show. The Comedy Attic was great about doing that because sometimes you go to comedy clubs and the host is up there and he's like, all right, everybody, you were, you ready for a good comedy show? Also, here's your announcements. We got $2 Tuesdays, we got College <laughs> Wednesdays, and we got Thirsty Girl Thursdays, and then Freak Show Fridays. And also, let me tell two jokes before I bring up your feature. And it's just not a good flow. The Comedy Attic had a video that said the rules so the host didn't have to the host can just go up on stage and start telling jokes i love that i was like that's what i want to do so that's where the study aspect came into it's like all right i gotta get to hosting so that i can just go up and tell jokes and then i think you host like one or two shows and then you're like oh i gotta be a feature <laughs> hosting's for the fucking birds bro <laughs> hosting i hate this hosting shit because you get treated like garbage as a host by who by everybody yeah by everybody <laughs> by everybody so you're a fluffer right you're the- <laughs> hey can i uh can i rub your nuts for you sir <laughs> as a host as a good host you go up to the feature you go up to the headliner hey Anything you want me to say before you go on stage? Any credits? When do you want your light? You got to do that for the headliner. So you're just like their whipping boy for the entire weekend. You got to do that for five shows. If you have one bad set, then they just get to shit on you. <laughs> right? What's that uh, What's that phrase? Uh, shit rolls down. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Trickles down. Yeah. So everybody has bad set. It doesn't matter. But like if you're the host, you don't get to talk to the feature about having a bad set. You don't get to be like, oh, that shit was trash. (laughs) (laughs) They just get to talk to you. (laughs) You definitely can't talk to the headliner if they have a rough set. But oh, I didn't think they go went with you on this. You just got fired, bro. (laughs) But they get to talk to you. It's like, well, I wouldn't open with the uh the school shooting joke. (laughs) uh, (laughs) My first feature weekend was this is dark as fuck, but my first feature weekend was for Rebecca Corey. Her first show was Thursday. That's the day the Sandy Hook shooting happened. Oh, Oh my gosh. I was so excited. I was so fucking excited to go feature. Get paid as a feature for the first time. And the shooting happened very early in the day. And I was driving to go feature for Rebecca Corey. You guys know Rebecca? You know of her? Yeah. Yeah. The, the guest we had last week, he was friends with her. He's brought her up a few times. So, yeah. Dude, she's great. She's one of the whistleblowers on Louie, which is yeah. why. We were, we were just <laughs> yeah, we talking did, about this. We were just talking about that before you came on. Actually. Man, ferocious. Ferocious <laughs> little. And I felt like she could tell that I was nervous. Everything's fine. Just go up, do your jokes. These people need you. And I was like, I am like, it just got in my head. I was like, I am self-important. <laughs> like, <laughs> but that's I, I that's what you need when you're first starting, like to host and feature. You you have to have like that sort of like, I'm doing this for a purpose. Otherwise, you just walk off the Empire State Building. because you're like none of this shit matters but in the in in the moment it was like that that meant a lot to me because was like why am i fucking doing comedy right now then this shooting just happened and so many people came out all weekend we had great shows and 
it's weird looking back on now as that was my first feature weekend because so many things have happened since then where I'm just like, oh, I just got to brush that off and just go up and do comedy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Because there's like every, every every day something happens, it seems like now. And it's just like if you tie it in, it makes those moments like less important. Like your first feature said, like that's that's so that should be memorable for, for more reasons than like a massacre and shit like that. Yeah. Did you make him laugh? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> he, he, he blew their brains out. <laughs> and you're like, okay, I got I got 10 minutes on Sandy Hook. This is going to be like fresh. <laughs> Anybody in here have kids? Because <laughs> I'm about to kill. But goddamn, Jesus Christ. We didn't need that. Happen. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it was eye-opening, man. After fe- after featuring, I got stuff pretty quickly. Like I started featuring more places. That road from hosting to featuring was tumultuous, to say the least. What, what, what were you doing to like kind of get from like the host spot to the feature spot? Was it just building time and material, or I wasn't aware of how unprepared I was to actually do this as a career, which is fine. Like I I forgive comics for all right, I'm trying to jump from being a host to becoming a feature. How do I do that? And my default was, I'll just complain until I get it. (laughs) I'll just complain. (laughs) I guess I'll just be a little bitch until I get it, which is not the right way to do that at all. The right way is to do it. Like you go to clubs, you put on FaceTime, you become a good host. You don't be uh, an asshole to the staff. You don't whip your dick out. <laughs> that should be that should almost be first. Uh, you know, don't pull your dick out. It's definitely top five, right? It has to be. Oh, Bob Bi- Bi- uh, made a career out of that. <laughs> oh, I just watched the Jackass movie a week ago. All dudes whipping dicks out. They make it look respectable. Yes, yeah, so, uh, you, you got you got to have context, right? Yeah, yeah. Like they're taking their power back. I like that. Out of context, whipping your dick out is not okay. You know, it's like hashtag us too. Right. <laughs> <laughs> luckily like luckily i'm like i kept all that animosity to myself or those like self-important feelings of i should be doing this to myself which i'm lucky because i did have those and it wasn't until i got my ass handed to me leaving town several times on stage like oh maybe i'm just maybe i just need to work actually harder to be good at this I did a show for zero people in Spencer, Indiana, and it was the most humiliating experience of my life. Zero people. I'm not zero people. I drove two hours from my house to Spencer, Indiana, and there was no one in the crowd. And the bar owner said, either you do a show or you don't get paid. At least you got paid still. I said, I'm going to get my $125, okay? <laughs> I'm getting my $125. So I took my notebook up and just yelled jokes at people in the back of the room at the bar. <laughs> if that doesn't make you want to not be a feature <laughs> or do like quit stand-up, I don't know what does. You're like, oh, yeah, I could just host good shows and not have the pressure to like do any of this road travel bullshit. So the path from me becoming a host to a feature was not fun. I don't think it's fun for anybody. We've talked to comedians like uh, they, they really there's certain people I really do enjoy hosting, though. 
Like they, they do get a lot of value out of it. They like running the show. They like they like yeah. doing all that. But I, I think it does require like a certain type of person. Like it's not for everyone. Now I appreciate it. When you're when you're new, I don't think you realize what hosting is. Because there's a there's a noticeable difference between like a good one and a bad one. Like when you have a bad yeah. host, the show is just trash. You can have like a really strong feature, a really strong headliner, but like if the host is not really like reeling it in or like setting it up properly, it, it's just a shitty show. It's a bad show. Yeah. If you don't own that, it's your show. Now, like I, I love I host my own shows because I love it. It's a skill set that you need to move forward in comedy. If you don't know how to host, that means you don't know how to corral a room properly. Because that's what all hosting is. It's just, yo, can we reset the room between comics? Like, you have to have all these different skill sets. And you don't get that unless you've hosted good shows, bad shows, independent shows, clubs. And I got to do all that just out of the Midwest. And I felt like that was a big learning experience and a kick in the nuts. Because I tried to move up too fast. I was like, everybody shits on hosts, but like, you're also probably the most important part of the show. Yeah. Do, do, do you think that hubris that you had, did that that lead you to taking like risks that ended up paying off at all? Or do, do, do you think it would have taken you longer to get where you are if you didn't have that that confidence? I'm happy that I had it, but I'm glad that I have the hindsight to say that I was wrong in those moments. That's the only thing. So moving forward, like as a business person trying to get booked on shows, mm-hmm. I know how to interact with people because I've been in pretty much every position. Uh, you know what I mean? I'm a co-director of a festival. I run shows on my own and I travel full time to do shows. I think I have a pretty level headed I don't think I would have that unless I did all these things and failed tremendously at them over and over again. It's almost like you have empathy for other comics and you have empathy for audience members. You have empathy for audience members because you've been at bad shows and you've seen their faces when they're like, God damn, this is shit. They couldn't even fix the sound. They couldn't even do a sound check. God, like you, like for real, you couldn't do a sound check. That's crazy to me. I talk about this to young comics all the time. My ego at the beginning is so far away from what I am. And it was this false veil of confidence. I'm I'm blaming Comic View. I'm blaming Def Comedy Jam. <laughs> I was not that person, but it's all the comedy I watched. And I was like, oh, you just got to go up and be Bernie Mac. I ain't scared of you motherfuckers. Oh, you just got to go up and be Chris Tucker. And talk about cockroaches in the kid. That's not my childhood. <laughs> like, I don't, you just got to go up and wear leather like Eddie Murphy. Like, I have all this hubris. I was just this weird character on stage. And it took me, like, it takes a lot of comics figuring out, oh, here's what I need to do on stage. It took a, it's a good friend of mine, uh, Brent Terhune. He started before I did, but he hosted the open mic at Crackers. I was doing that thing that I said earlier where I was just like imitating another comic and I did it at crackers and Brent comes up to me after and he goes, Hey man, you got to write your own jokes. (laughs) I was like, Oh shit. (laughs) Maybe people do watch Eddie Murphy raw. (laughs) Like it blew my mind. (laughs) Someone else watched Bill Cosby himself. Wow. And, and when you uh, when you were starting to write your own jokes like, originally, like what were you uh, like? What was your writing style? Like, what were you trying to like write? 
I wrote everything out word for word at the beginning. Oh. Yeah. Like I was notebook and then so like a five minute set, which is what I was getting. I'd write every word out, try to like pace it out and then kind of rehearse it. Sort of like I was doing a play. I, I would like do it like a monologue. And so if anything happened during my monologue, <laughs> it would just fuck me up, bro. Like it would just fuck me up. But that's just like, all right, if I get through this, all right, here's going to be a laugh. Here's going to be a laugh. Here's where it's supposed to be a laugh. That's what I did. I just wrote that shit out. Like, why is he pausing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, why is he pause for effect? <laughs> it's silent as hell. It's quiet in here. Oh, these lights are bright. How um how how has your uh, writing process changed like over the years? Now I'm trying to like get on TV, so it's now I'm back to like needing to write everything out. But I'm so much more loose. I like to talk jokes out on stage. Like I said, I have an English degree. I love to write ideas out. It's one of my favorite things, but they're not always fully formed. I got to take them on stage. I'm very slow in turning over material, I think, which gets into the aspect of overwriting. But I like to pull as much stuff out of a, of a concept as possible, which it means writing a lot on paper. I've got my Evernote app it's web i can do it on my laptop and i can be on my phone i can just pull up my notes it's recording it's just i don't know it's an evolution of figuring out what the bit needs for me there's no algebraic equation of like how a bit gets written at least for me it's like all right this thing comes out as a story and then i tweak it and put the jokes in or this premise needs jokes when you're kind of attracted to a premise or something like that, like how well formed is it in your mind? Are you, are, are you like, is writing it out and doing all these things? Is that, is that, is that kind of about like kind of chipping away at it and getting to its essence or do you kind of have an idea, a pretty good idea of the concept before you go into it? I like to tell stories. So my best bits are not written out. They're not they're, like I tag them up on paper, but they're not written out. Also, you know, I like to build sets like long sets. So the things that are written out are structure. So where's this bit fit into the current structure that I'm working on? Or where's this bit fit in, in this 45 to 60 minute set? Like I like structure in a set. I don't like structure so much as this word has to go here and hit in this way. And I think that's just like an experience thing. Knowing how I write, I write visually. So that means I have to say it on stage. Like a bit that I'm working on right now is about my wife and I being on HGTV. That's not a written bit. I just have to go up on stage and say it a bunch and then pull out details from there. Listen to it, write it, rewrite it, listen to it, rewrite it, rewrite it. I have probably a, a 15 minute bit about a DMX concert that I helped throw. That's not a written bit. I'm just coming from memory because I like to be a visual storyteller. If I can tell it visually how I saw it, then the audience can understand. If I can pull as much detail and then hopefully throw away the unnecessary details. The, the unnecessary details of the story makes this that story. Isn't it? Like, what's an unnecessary detail? Well, because like it was like all his uh, his list of stuff he needed for the show. And all like mm -hmm. you're going through, like uh, he needed like two bottles of Hennessy or something. And yeah, like, the, I was like, all those details are unnecessary, but they make that story, which is just yeah. funny. 
So they're unnecessary unless you don't know who DMX is. And then it adds to like, like I've done this, I've, I did that bit for so long that so many people who don't know D, who DMX is, that adds to the story for them because it explains what type of person he is. That can be true with any bit. Like, oh yeah, I was in Wendy's. Here's all the details of what happened in the story. I was working out at Planet Fitness. Not everybody's been at Planet Fitness, but you're given, you're trying to paint the picture. And that's the yeah. type of comedy that I try to do. It's not always successful, but no part of comedy is. I like to say it on stage a lot, rewrite it, and then hopefully get to the best version of what the crux of the joke is. Do you ever go up on stage and have a story to tell and then you get into it and you're like, I, I don't have an ending for this. I don't. Man, all the, like every day. <laughs> like, what is, yeah, of course. Of course. The joke we were just talking about, the DMX bit. I didn't have an end for that. That joke didn't happen for like probably eight years. The only reason I started doing that bit is because I was at the Memphis Comedy Festival and I signed up for a midnight show where you get 42 comics have to do 42 seconds. It's called 42 and 42. So 42, I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do in 42 seconds. So I'm scrolling through my Evernote app and I get to, I was like, I had just written down DMX's writer. And so I just go up and read DMX's writer. <laughs> And it fucking destroys. And everybody's coming up to me. It's like, well, this is that fucking insane? Like for 42 seconds. And I'm like, oh shit, this is actually a bit. <laughs> this is actually, I had probably written that writer in my notes at three or four years previous to that and never done anything with it. Do you have a lot of throwaway jokes like that where you, you kind of like put them away for a while and then you, you go back to that well and, and like reuse it? Man, I hope so. Because <laughs> I gotta keep doing this shit. <laughs> I hope so. I don't. It's the great thing about being online now. I like the physical pen to the paper feeling, and I gotta get better about putting stuff online in my own notes. I love a good idea that you threw away and let it breathe, and it came back to you, and you're like, "Oh, let's play with that." Because you never know where you are mentally when you're writing something down. Yeah, especially like, like jokes and all that, they can evolve. Like you might have something that's like a premise and then like you workshop it and like, all right, now I can turn like the, the writer for DMX. Like that's such a, a small thing, but you turn it into like a 15 minute bit and all yeah. that, which is, which is I was awesome. Like, oh yeah, this whole weird thing happened. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you're just like, this is the funny part of it, but let's open our mind and expand past the funny part of the experience. And then we can see what happened leading up to this thing and there's just so nutrient rich and that's my favorite type of writing man it really is and like even like uh like your comedy albums uh, you, you've had two now that that's been released what was your mindset on like releasing an album like like why why'd you go that route instead of like just doing like youtube videos or, or some other outlet yeah so the first one did was just impatience i had moved to new york and i was starting to get some showcases and Starting to get some stuff, had some good material, but I wanted to move on. And I was about six or seven years in and decided to, let's just go home and record an album. Like, that's how easy it is. That's the decision-making process. And I filmed it and I got it on a disc. I got it on a DVD 
And the second album I did has that DMX story on it. Decided to do that album because it felt timely. There's a lot of political jokes on there. There's a lot of like topical jokes. Like I think I talk about Black Panther on that one. I think I talk about my uh, granddad passing away. Felt like a complete project. This next one also feels that way where it's like, this needs to be done and then I can move on to the next. Like I said, I like to write in like big chunks. If it doesn't have anywhere in that chunk, then I can, uh, I'll probably just move on. It's just how my brain works. I would love to do something on YouTube or something like that, but I've always been a truest, I guess. I don't know. I don't have a huge YouTube following. I'm trying to do all the, the cool shit. You know, I'm putting subtitles on my videos that I post on Instagram. <laughs> I'm out here. You won't catch me without a. You won't catch me with a clip without subtitles. Oh, it's it's such a pain in the ass. Like, trust me. Like, I know. I hate it all. I, I wish there was an easy way. It's, it's, I know. It sucks. It's not just telling jokes anymore. You can just auto generate them and just just not check them like a lot of people do. That's always fun. <laughs> oh my goodness! Can you imagine? Can you imagine? <laughs> He said, he said, all lives matter. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so you said you're working on the third one. Are you writing like material and bits for these albums or were these the stuff that you kind of wanted to shelve or retire? I know you said like your second album had some more topical stuff. I'm assuming I was just retiring that material at that point. I don't know where it comes from. Like, honestly, like, so the third one is about me getting engaged and being married and um, experience like that. It's got some critical race theory. It's got some education stuff. I decided to record this one because it also feels timely. It felt like, will this have the same impact if it's released in a year? Will I feel the same way I feel about the material if it's released in a year? I don't know that I will. The world moves a lot faster. And I was very happy with the material that I had accumulated through quarantine, through getting married, through the world that we live in, through an insurrection. And I felt that we just got to record this and this is going to be the album. I'm happy with it. That's the most important part is that I think that the most accurate reflection of who I am as a person and who I am as a person in the country that we live in. So it's back to being a little self-important, but (laughs) it's also like, that's the process, man. I don't think I'll feel the same way or strongly as I feel about this material next year. I think I'll be moved past it. But I feel so strongly about this material now that I'll just put it out and see what happens. Let's get it out there. Yeah, I got you. Yeah. Okay. I think there's an aspect of like being creative and uh, being an artist that, that requires a little bit of like, you know, self-involvement. Yeah, Cause I mean, that's, that's kind of your instrument, right? That you got to kind of focus Yo. on your inner, inner self and all of that. Seamus, that's all that, that's all that keeps you going, bro. If you, if you didn't have like this innate sense of like, yo, what I'm doing matters, would you have a podcast? You know what I mean? I <laughs> we're we're completely in it for ourselves. It's not. <laughs> I, I kind of hate myself, and I was like, "Fuck this! Let's keep doing this." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh shit! No, it's uh, it's. I think having the ego is what keeps you going. Yeah. But knowing when to reel it in is just called being an adult. Yeah, you gotta you gotta shed your skin. Yeah. And it's time to grow. 
That's uh, that's, that's what the comedy album is, right? That's your it's shit the skin, baby. Shit in the skin. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I didn't mean to call you a snake. I apologize. <laughs> you, did. you meant that. <laughs> Show me your notes right now. Put them up your camera. <laughs> It's just snake in all capital letters. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> so, so for your third album, are you recording it uh, like an audio? Like, are, do you have like a show planned out to record it? Like, have we got that far? It's recorded already. We're doing another recording in Minneapolis this weekend. Oh, nice. And um, one of my favorite clubs, Comedy Corner Underground. It's like a nice 60 seat club sits underneath a place called the Corner Bar, Seven Points in Minneapolis. And uh, I'm excited. So we'll get it recorded. And they have like a three camera setup because you can't just record an album. You got to have like video associated with it because everyone knows now what we've always known is that everyone is a visual learner <laughs> so <laughs> yes the internet has proven that people are dumber than we, we assumed they were yeah it's like we all knew this all, the whole time half of them yeah yeah everyone knew this <laughs> is there anything different you do to prepare for like the show this weekend for that album like or is it you're just trying to do like your, your normal thing no it's not the normal thing it's a little more intense because up until the point I'm ready to record, I'm still trying to be loose and have fun. But there's mm-hmm. a focus that has to switch Yeah, when the record button is on. So the focus needs to start a couple of days before the actual recording or else I'm just playful mode. I'm not trying to stomp out fully. Okay. I'm still trying to be the comic that I am most of the time on stage, but... I need to be as focused and as precise in the, in the pocket when a recording's happening because that's the thing that's going to live forever. You watch a lot of comics post like crowd work clips and stuff like that, and those mm-hmm. those are fun and those have their own face in comedy. But that's I'm not trying to do that. That's not why I built this hour of material. You're not gonna do an hour of crowd work. Yeah, dude, get a You're crowd. Fucking work. miserable. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Who cares about Jeff from Toronto? No, <laughs> this shit's about me. I'm supposed to be in control of the audience, and I that's what I'm setting out to do, and that's what I'm going to do. Yeah, you, so, you're, you're the one who went on the hero's journey. It's like, none yeah, those, exactly. All those motherfuckers. All those. Right there, Seamus. <laughs> yeah. yeah Bunch of snakes in the fucking audience. Fucking yeah, it's snakes. fucking snakes. <laughs> yeah. Come down, baby. So I know if like other comedians when they're getting to film, like they're getting ready to film like their album or hour or whatever, uh, they do like the same material like multiple times to get get it down. Was that something you've done? Like you've done this material like so many times, like you're you're kind of just at the point you know like front and back, or is there some like looseness to it still? There's still a lot of looseness with it, just because it's a little, it's not as jokey, and it's a little more challenging depending on the audience so it does require me to be in the moment a lot more if i'm talking about this just may be the way that comedy works now when you talk about controversial things like if i talk about critical race theory who's going to perk up i got to be in tune with that where's my audience if i talk about the proud boys or if i talk about the insurrection i love to be and like full control and full control means knowing where every person in the audience is emotionally 
and not letting yourself fall into the trap of trying to appease the one or two like angry people. So this material is, it's a little bit more challenging because I feel like the things that I'm saying, no matter where I've said them, a lot of people agree with what I'm saying and they find it funny, which is the most important thing to me is that they find it funny. You want a real challenge? You should do that in Fort Myers. (laughs) Yeah. Why Fort Myers? Our last rock station just closed down. It became Trump country. Oh, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> I will I will happily come to Fort Myers. I did this shit in uh, Oklahoma City. I did it in Wichita, Kansas. I did it in fucking... Uh, I did the Looney Bins, man. Like, the Looney Bins are the shitty Southwest club <laughs> that is just like, you won't find... <laughs> they can't spell Biden. You know what I mean? <laughs> So that's why I'm, that's why I'm proud of this. Like it's been tested. It's just funny because I'm like super, I'm like liberal with a cape on, you know what I mean? (laughs) And I think if I can get people that disagree with me to laugh at, nobody likes Biden. Right. Nobody, (laughs) nobody likes, like nobody likes Biden. That's why you see no flags. No one has a Biden flag. Yeah, everybody looks at him like, oh, that's our guy. Like, no, he's not. How, like, how, no, nobody likes this guy. All right, we got some common ground there, at least. Can we agree that he's better than Alaska? No, okay, all right. <laughs> all right, absolutely not. So now it's like, all right. And it's it's the job of a comic to, like, try to get everybody in the audience to laugh. Now, in the last two years, I've... I'm going to be completely honest. I've had a different fuck you attitude of like, all right, if you're not going to laugh at this is for everybody on both sides, if you're not going to laugh at like things that are obvious jokes, I'm making fun of everybody. You're not going to laugh at things that are obvious jokes. You just want to come to a live show and be a dick. Then fuck you, man. (laughs) Like I don't got nothing for you then. I'm doing my best to try to make everybody laugh. Everybody understand that I'm still a humanist. Like, I still believe, like, everybody has a decent heart. And it's hard to stay in that mindset with the current state of fucking people not being willing to have conversations with one another. But it's, can we have a goddamn comedy show without you standing up and being like, fuck Joe Biden? And I'm like, (laughs) I agree, bro. Yeah, sure. I agree. Yeah, fuck them. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. <laughs> like for real. So after my second album, I was like, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna lay off the race a little bit. And then George Floyd happened. And then I'm like, I don't write jokes about George Floyd. I write jokes about life. Mm-hmm. And then the insurrection happened. And I, you know, and <laughs> yeah, that shit was funny. That was hilarious. Yeah, it was. It was objectively funny. <laughs> I'm like, there's got to be jokes about this. <laughs> like, like, you don't even have to spin it. <laughs> it's just, just, it's just read the headline. Yeah. They took selfies on first class. <laughs> Delta flights. <laughs> <laughs> Coming for you, Nancy. Like, God damn. Stupid as fucking shit. So you're recording your album this weekend. Uh, how, how long would it take before you, you finally cut it and release it? Is it a pretty drawn out process? I know you have multiple cameras and, and all that. It sounds like a pretty big production. Um, I'm hoping that it'll just take a couple weeks. I recorded a version of it in uh, Milwaukee at the Laughing Tap, which was great. 
Uh, I love that club so much. I want to do another version of it here and uh, just kind of see what the differences are. With the video, you can't really splice multiple theaters. I know with the audio, you can kind of pick and choose like which one sounds better. The audio is the the main point of doing the actual album. And if you got to explain it, it's fine. Like people are smart enough. But I felt like after Milwaukee, I had probably five minutes and then a couple of tags to some jokes, like to some tag ups that I want to try. And if it works, it works. If not, then you get the other version. But some other things have happened that I'm like, yo, let's uh, touch this up a little bit. I think it'll be fine. I I look I look at a uh, Chris Rock's second to last special where he filmed in like seven different places. Oh yeah, yeah. The camera's just following him around and he's doing the same jokes, but like in different places. He's like Brooklyn and he's like Johannesburg, Africa. I'm like <laughs> Jesus Christ. He's like Australia. I'm like this is fantastic. So I think people are smart enough to figure out like <laughs> this joke took. I'm not trying to pull a Jedi mind trick over anybody. <laughs> if there are any comedy purists out there, it's like, that, that's not the same recording. That's not the same recording. Fraud, I'll kill you. Oh, man. Try to pull one over on me. There are people <laughs> like that, which which is unfortunate. Fucking comedy neckbeards. Funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, shit. Yeah, you you mentioned that you were trying to trying to write for TV. Like, is that is, is that kind of your next step in your career that you're trying to get get together? I'm not trying to write on TV. I'm trying to get on TV. You're bro. trying to get. I'm sorry. Yeah, your boy's trying to talk about black atheism on on Corden or Fallon or whatever the fuck. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to submit to late night. Are, are you doing all this on your own? Do you have representation or anything? I do not have representation. Uh, I book all my own shows and try to I try to do all this shit by myself. So that's my next goal. It's been a goal of mine before quarantine. So still the goal. I feel happy about the tapes that I'm submitting. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Cool, man. Yeah. And I, I did like your web series, the uh, Brewtube comedy. I thought that was an awesome premise. Thanks, man. How'd you kind of come up with, with that idea? Like that was, uh, I, I thought it was, it was really, really, really good. So I got really into craft beer. My dad's a chef and I got really into craft beer because he was teaching these classes and he was doing beer pairings mm-hmm. with classes. And I was just washing dishes and I'd sneak in and like, grab i was like 22 at the time it wasn't okay. like i was under age I was 13 like, just no no no, no. <laughs> i was old like i was i i didn't i was just broke i just <laughs> i'd get like a blue i get like a blueberry rattler or something like that or like a stays on i'd be like oh this is kind of good this is not but like so that's how i got into like craft beer and probably like when i moved back from indianapolis or uh, from new york to Indianapolis, I noticed like so many shows happen in breweries, like comedy shows. And so you get paid in drink tickets a lot of time. And so a lot of times I would just be like, what's like your best craft beer? I would really say that. And there was a place called The Sinking Ship that I'd go every Sunday in Indianapolis that had the best like craft beer menu. I gave myself like this little education of like, all right, this is a IPA versus a porter versus a stout versus a pale ale versus a session versus a sour versus a goza. 
And then I got to travel to go to breweries. And I'm like, every brewery has their version of this. It's not just all like big brand. Like it blew my mind. And I got deep into it. And I was like, what if I could blow everybody's mind? My mind was blown. There was breweries out there that do their own version of your Bud Light Lime, but better and have great comedy. So the point of BrewTube was, what if you go to a show and you find a beer that you've never had before, but you love and a comic you've never seen before that you follow and fall in love with before they blow up? And that was the premise of the show. And with that, I started BrewTube Comedy and started booking shows in breweries and like trying to like bring high quality comics to awesome microbreweries, man. Because it's the same thing. You ever talk to a, a, a person that brews beer? They got the same crazy egotistic shit that comics have. <laughs> like you ain't tasted my like you. Sure. OK. Yeah. But you ain't tasted my shit before. <laughs> you know the way I work yeast? You know the way I work a batch of yeast, son? No, he work a crowd. I love that so much. No, that's such a cool show and all. I definitely want to see more of it. I'm trying to film more of them. I'm back on my bullshit. So I appreciate you watching it, man. Uh, I appreciate you guys. Yeah. That means a lot. Dude, it seemed like something I would watch like on like on streaming services. Yeah, for it was, real. Like, it was 100% I would dial into if I saw it on Netflix. So there's everything I love. Yeah, it's fun, man. Like, just people talking shit about craft beer is funny to me. Like, I have a lot of craft beer material because it's such a white thing. <laughs> and it's just, it's yeah. so, it's so fucking white. And I just love, like, being in the space. Have you had anyone, like, like any gatekeepers, like, being shitty with you? Or, or has anyone been pretty welcoming? No, I, I think people are smart enough to just say no. <laughs> no one gives you the no one gives you the reasons anymore <laughs> no and here's why number one black number two black no I, i've had like like buddies that are really really big into like the craft stuff and like they they are kind of like really snobby about it and yeah. shit like that like they're yeah. like obnoxiously snobby so i yeah, don't know man. if like you had just like like shit bags like that yeah uh brew, brew house neck beards you know yeah. yeah, man. This is a cold 45, sir. I don't know if you can handle that <laughs> kind of thing. Like, excuse me? <laughs> I even joke, like, I joke about craft beer culture a lot. It wants to be wine. Yeah. It really wants to be wine. For dudes that can't afford beer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's really funny to me. I think that people that brew it make it for everybody. Mm-hmm. But this certain sect of the population is like, this is for us. You get mad when you see a bunch of brothers walk into a brewery and you're like, oh, okay, well, I thought this was a nice neighborhood. (laughs) I brought my dog here and I haven't seen this. (laughs) They asked to turn on the football game. Outrageous. This isn't a sports bar. This is (laughs) so yeah. I I mean, I'm 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 heavy in a craft beer. I'm a uh, certified beer server. That's like that's like a beer Somali. Yeah, man. Cicerone. It's the first level. So like uh, Somalia and Cicerone certified as CBS is like your first level. Oh, this isn't a joke. This is legit. Yeah. I thought this was a bit. I'm sorry. I swear to God, I got a pin. I I thought you were a bit. This is a bit. I'm going to send you my pin. I got it. No. I like that they call it a certified beer server as well. I don't know where it is, but I'll find it. So like you, you know how to like carry it around without spilling it, basically. You know how to pour it? You know the region that they have beer, and uh, that's about it. 
I had to pass a test. I had to pass a test. Dude. Was it hard? No. <laughs> I think you had to get a 72% or something. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, I cheated. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> be terrible to cheat for something like that. It's yeah. Just, uh, you just, you just, you get a job, you just spill a beer all over everybody. Oh, well. I know you said you were certified. <laughs> Sorry, sir. I'm not, I'm not certified. <laughs> Sorry. We usually ask one last question of our guest. Any words of wisdom for any aspiring comedian you wish you would have got when you first started out? Watch as many different types of stand-up live as humanly possible. If you tell someone you're a comic, no matter what the venue, they'll probably let you in for free. That's not a joke. If you, like, if there's a theater, if there's a club, if there's a coffee house, Tell them you're a comic and they'll say, all right, stand in the back. Stand in the back and watch as many different types. You got to watch Eddie Murphy. You got to watch Kevin Hart. You got to watch Wanda Sykes. You got to watch Ellen. You got to watch Roseanne. You got to watch Maria Bamford and John Doerr. And you got to watch everybody. Watch everybody. And then that's the only way that you can find out like what type of comic you are. But watch them live if you can. And then study the difference between feature on the show and the headliner on the show. Study that. Why is the headliner the headliner and why is the feature the feature? I've been to many shows where they should definitely be switched where the, the headliner was <laughs> absolute garbage. For <laughs> the sure. Features were, were absolute yeah. killers. That's what happens. If you're so the question is if you're first starting. If you're first starting, you don't get to make those assessments. No, no. If you're first starting, you have to ask the question, why is this person there and why is this person here? I think it I think it makes a big difference, especially like if you people have different reasons that they get into stand up comedy. If you have the like I'm fan and I'm obsessed with it, you got to go watch live shows, especially if you live in the Midwest. There's never been a better time to like watch any type of stand up comedy. Go watch that shit. And then you can find out how to be unique within this genre. I think it's very important. Yeah, it's a really good time right now for comedy. I mean, I think with obviously like getting like all the TikTok stars and shit like that's kind of obnoxious, but like there, there's still a lot of really good comedians out there that are yeah. really, really awesome. Um, yeah, TikTok stars are headlining yeah, and real comics are featuring for them. Oh, I, Go I know. watch the show <laughs> and then make the assessment for yourself. Like you got to do this stuff <laughs> and then go watch David Allen Greer and then go watch his middle. And then you got to watch everybody. Comedy always changes. Stand up, especially. It always changes. So set goals and then watch everybody would be my two takeaways from uh, Dwight's corner of wisdom. Great, man. Also, fucking here. I can't stress this enough. Learn how to play euchre before you come <laughs> in. Indiana. I'm gonna whoop that ass. I'm gonna take that money. Don't come to Indiana without knowing how to play euchre. Don't know how to. Don't know not how to go on alone. I'll get off the plane and be like, "Do you know how to play?" <laughs> like, no, I don't. <laughs> That's the first question. You ask. <laughs> not jumped. if you have COVID or been exposed. <laughs> <laughs> Dwight, it's been an absolute blast having you on the podcast this evening. We really do appreciate it. Yeah, man. Thank you so much. It's been, it's been great. It's been great. Thanks, fellas. I really appreciate you guys. You guys are the best. We're really excited for everything you got going on. I like your, uh, your outlook on things. And 
I think you got a, some special stuff in the works. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. I'm definitely excited for your, your third album. I'm, I'm really excited for it. Your, your second album was, was a real killer. Like it, I think I laughed the entire time. I was, I was, was really enjoying it. Thanks, man. That means a lot. You guys are, you guys are great. I really appreciate you guys having me on and uh, let me rant a bunch. It's my favorite thing to do. We like rants. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where can let's just find more of you and your work at? Get everybody over on my uh, Instagram, Dwight underscore underscore Simmons. Our TikTok, same thing. Also, like everything's just at DwightSimmons.com. All my tour dates, all my podcasts, my uh, Patreon, all my social media, DwightSimmons.com. You can find it. So, yeah, we really do appreciate talking tonight, man. Yeah, man. Thank you so much. Thanks, fellas. I appreciate you. That is a cool guy. Yeah, man, he's a super nice guy. Yeah, he's got good energy. He was, yeah, he's really, yeah, man. really good guy. The thing that's cool about him is like, like he's very motivated from the heart. You know, his 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 creation is almost aligned with a mission, whatever that might, and not not necessarily an outward mission, but like it's there's there's like a structure being being put together for you know, for whatever he's doing. Where you know mm-hmm. some 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 people like like there's there's various motivation. Like you know, he was saying this too. There's various motivations for people doing comedy. You know, some people are are literally, you know, working out mental illness. And, you know, some people are, uh, they, they have something to say. And this is like, this is a very free art. <laughs> Which one are you? <laughs> Which one am I? <laughs> I, I, uh, I, I, a little bit of both of that. I think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit of both. I, I, I mean, I, I love, I love the freedom. Just let, like, let my mind go, you know, whatever. You don't, you don't need comedy to do that. You can just be on the internet and just fucking spew whatever bullshit you want to spew. Yeah. It's not the same. I, I love, I love, I absolutely love comedy. Yeah. Um, I, I think like um, like 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 he said like like his writing kind of comes from like his English background and even like his uh, like theater and drama like stuff background like that's why he's like kind of write like these these like big stories where stuff like ties together and that's probably why he has like an easier time writing a lot of this material because he's like building that narrative and like he's he's like putting it all together uh, which is a lot easier than just like one off shit and just trying to like string it together. Yeah, yeah. It was. I think it's a different thing. I think storytelling is different than yeah. um, than joke writing. I mean, you look yeah. at like like uh, Anthony Jeselnik. Each one of his jokes maybe eleven seconds. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? He's got he's got to put machine you know, like, out. Yeah. Like how many of the, like say, what is that like sixty for an hour something like that? You know, so listen like Bert Kreisner that just tells like four stories and that's a right special. or like even like Ali Sadiq like he just had a special come out. It's all stories and mm-hmm. um, it's a, like a different thing. That's. I, it's an interesting skill because it's, it's it's very different than, than like just taking a premise and just finding like weird oddities in it. You know what I mean? I I always like when when people kind of do that, that character development of like being like a kind of like an egotistical prick, and then they 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 get their their ass kicked enough, or it's like all right, yeah, like kind of grow up. It's it's yeah, always my favorite character arc. I know. I'm waiting, waiting for that to happen to you. I'm just joking. This fucking guy, <laughs> the fuck out of here. <laughs> No, yeah, no, I, I like, I like that, that kind of story. It's, that's, uh, I think that happens to a lesser degree with anybody who goes through some kind of mastery journey. You know what I mean? Not to be too douchey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, no, but like there, there is, uh, I feel like, like, like I don't know if you said it or he said it or someone, someone said it about like just that, that ego, like a little bit of ego is good. Like you, you yeah, definitely well, e- ego, ego is, is how we interface with the world. It's, it's what gives us purpose in life. And as long as it's in alignment with whatever the purpose that you've chosen to do in your life, I think it, it is, it is the most powerful thing that you have. It's the most powerful tool you have. It's the way that you deploy your mind in the best way that's in alignment with what you're trying to get done. It's only when that's out of alignment with what you're trying to do that you end up having issues. 
you know? And so like, it's it like, so in, in that case, like, you know, when he's, when some, when someone believes that they're much better than they are, that obfuscates a lot of learning opportunities mm-hmm. that they might have in their environment. And like, when you can stay humble and also have, have, have the right, the right mindset, you, you're able to identify those opportunities and go towards them with everything that you have. And even like, yeah, the, the other thing that was really cool was he's working on his third album. That's a lot of material. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, he's he's someone uh, like I'd, I'd like to see him like come up with you know whatever he wants to be doing. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's, he's, it's, he's, it's, he's like it's, a good guy. Well, yeah, it's just it's it's a weird it's a weird thing. Like you don't you don't want to you don't want to like uh, ascribe a different like the definition of success on someone when you're talking. Yes, about, yeah, you know especially I mean? if that's not what they're right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. like <laughs> that, that, that can be insulting. You know? Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, I, I could see you like headlining for like forever. Like, dude, I don't want to be a headliner forever. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah a, you know, like, why, why aren't you selling out, selling out theaters? You know, <laughs> you're, you're good. Thank you all for listening. If you would like to support the WWSD podcast, check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash WWSD underscore podcast. Make sure you like and subscribe on our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now it was more like uh, if my gym's closed. I guess I'm gonna be fat still. Like <laughs> I guess I just, just let, let myself go at this point. Like what's, what's the point? <laughs> it's gonna get fatter. Yeah, yeah. In all honesty, that's what happened. <laughs> gym's closed. Smokers on. Yeah. Your Josh's daily routine is he gets his son or gets his kid ready for school. He puts a pork butt on the smoker. Goes to the gym. <laughs> I'll be, I'll be a pretty sweet life. I mean, if that was my life, <laughs> what else do you need? <laughs> maybe some vegetables. Yeah. Maybe, uh, maybe good. Come on. It's quarantine. Yeah. <laughs> vegetables in quarantine. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> All right. But, but enough quarantine bullshit. <laughs>